So this week we have the tournament winner and the camera guy that was with him the whole time. This week, four-time Bassmaster winner, the people's champion, Lee Livesey, and the one and only Jake Latondras with the ultimate Jake's take. This week on... I'm Bob Cobb for the Bassmaster. Welcome to Mercer. Slowly but surely, Jake, you are morphing. You are morphing into uh, basically the host of this show. I mean, but we're not bringing you in anymore. You're just always here. And <laughs> to be honest, dude, I missed you. Like, I mean, obviously, we hung out a lot this week at the at the event, but I missed not doing podcasts with you. It's been a long break. Likewise. I mean, I've, you know, during that entire break, I was thinking, Man, I'm like jonesing for Mercer all of a sudden. <laughs> so it was very good to see you and everybody else. That was a, an exceptionally long break. I felt like it was like the off season. And then yeah. getting back in um, at Lake Fork was sort of a, okay, well, we got we to gotta, we gotta jump right back into this all of a sudden. So, so what is going? We did. <laughs> oh, sure did. What is, your, what is your record now? I mean, officially, most, most people tuned in and turned me, if you did not know, once again, Jake went wire to wire with our tournament champion, Lee Livesey. And um, we'll bring Lee in here shortly. But what what is your official record, including the Classic this year? Uh, I think it's four and Four and one. two? Four and two. Four and yeah, I missed Harris Chain. And the last the one. Um, what was the last one? What was the last one before <laughs> Fork? Uh, duh. Oh, uh, Chickamauga. Chick. Yeah, that's right. Yep, I missed that one, but I had a hell of a story. Yeah, you did have. You made up for it. I mean, when you you're know not with the leader, and thank God you weren't with the leader because that would have made that experience even epicer, <laughs> dirtier. Yeah. Uh <laughs> Do you know how many people came up to me that I didn't even know talking about the shit show? <laughs> hey. I'm like, okay, well, I guess I'm leaving my mark here. Skid marks. Yeah, literally. <laughs> uh, I already told you, but I didn't tell the viewers. Um, day two, Lee had some uh, equipment issues, and he came in at, at a, you know halfway through the day to get it checked out with the service crew. And I was standing backstage, and like half the tournament staff was there and a bunch of media. And it, we all kind of noticed when an angler idles in during the day, it stands out, you know what I mean? And we're all at like, noon. oh. And especially it's, it's, you know, a guy who's in content at that point in second place of the tournament and everybody at once, like turned to each other and they're like, Oh God, does Jake have to shit again? <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, no, <laughs> that, but you know, that was a, that was kind of a, uh, actually a weird moment when he had to come in at noon. Yeah. He already, uh, what people don't know, they don't know that he had to come in to get some service on his equipment because something tore up on the lake. And then he, but he already had, what did he, he, I think he already had 32 pounds. Yeah. Yeah. He already yeah. had 32 pounds at that point. So no, 32 pounds on day one. Maybe it was day one he came in. I don't know. But whichever day it was, doesn't matter. We're, we're confusing it. But yeah, he had his weight. That's what I always also said to, said to those guys, you know, when they said that they thought that's what yes, whether he's going in for whatever, it's amazing how accommodating an anger will be when they have 30 pounds in the boat. I mean, if he had three pounds in the boat, he might be like, well, jump in the water. But, uh. <laughs> I have to tell you that I talked to Taku uh, at day, 
at, at weigh in at day two, he came over and sat at the table where the camera trailer is. And we were just sitting there rapping. And I asked him, I said, did you hear the story about uh, my experience in Daisuke's boat? And he goes, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Everyone in Japan knows. <laughs> he told me he didn't hear about it until he got back to Japan. <laughs> You're huge in Japan. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> what a great legacy. Oh, it's special. It's very special. Um, man, it was a it was a crazy event. Let's try cover some ground before we we bring in the busiest dude on earth. We never ever go chasing the champ, and at least I've got out of it because um the podcast world is a is an aggressive one. And and I hate being part of that, but but it's Lee, and you were with him all week. And actually, the whole reason Lee's on here is I said me and Jake are doing a podcast and and he said, I, I want to be on it. So um, so that's why we're going to have him on here. But, uh, man, it was a special week for you guys as friends, um, a special week for Bass. I mean, it was just it, it was with everything leading into it. You know, obviously, Ray Scott and a lot of tributes towards him. And um, and then obviously an incredible, incredible event. The cowboy hat tribute was fitting for the state of Texas. The situation with Ray Scott, all that, all that tribute was was perfect. And like you said, some guys look great in cowboy hats, and some guys don't. But Lee looks pretty good in a cowboy hat. <laughs> I, I got something to say about cowboy hats because um, I obviously wore it all weekend long, and I've been getting a lot of people saying, "Stick with the cowboy hat." They they like the cowboy hat. I'm not sure if I'm going to do that, and if I do do it, I learned one big difference between me and Ray this weekend. Um, there's there's many. But the biggest difference is he has better cowboy hats than me. Mine was made of plastic, and it was literally the hottest thing you could put on your head this week. I mean, as soon as you put it on, you just – so if I'm ever wearing a cowboy hat again, I, I do need to, to get a better one than the, the plastic one that somebody gave me at the Fort Worth, Texas Classic. <laughs> is that right? Last yeah. year? Yeah. Ah. Yeah. Yeah, that's well, where two, mine came from. Two things that – went that happened i'll say before lee came on that were kind of special one is the two things that people don't didn't see these are two little nuggets right one was lee tried to kill me one time he uh the lure. He hit he hit me with a hair with with that uh with that uh that uh that hair jig and he had a, like a five or six pounder on and when he loaded the rod up, that thing popped out and I had just turned my camera to the fish and got on it really tight. And that hair jig came flying into the camera lens and you could hear it go pout. It it sounded like it hit a, a, a watermelon. <laughs> Me and, and Davey I, were on live and we were arguing. I, I thought it went lower than, than yeah. Dave. Davey said, Davey said right in the abdomen. And I said, uh, no, in another area. But I'll yeah. Continue. I, well, I actually, I just texted Lee about 30 minutes ago. Uh, I jumped, just jumped out of the shower. And a, I don't know why, but it's the first time I noticed it. But I have a double bruise on my abdomen right where that hair jig hit me. Yeah. Um, I'll send you a picture of it later. <laughs> Thank God it wasn't in the other spot. <laughs> oh, imagine that bruise. You would have noticed that a lot quicker. And the other, the, that's right. That's right. That would have hurt worse. The other thing that happened was when we came in, um, this was like a really special sort of a, you know, a personal moment with Lee and I, and I think a lot of people know how tight we are now as friends. He and said on stage, that's my best friend right he there. Did. I mean, how I, badass I, was oh, that? Drop the mic moment. And, and he, uh, when he pulled in and checked in, he said, okay, Jake, where do I stand? Because 
until he caught that eight three at the last moment, which no one saw because we were off of live. He didn't, he thought he didn't do enough. He thought he bombed the whole thing and he, you know, he choked and all that stuff. And we came in, he said, how, how, how are we doing? And I said, dude, like you already had a seven pound lead. You already had a seven pound lead when you caught that eight pounder. So now you got like an eight or, or a, a 10 or 12 pound lead now. And you pretty much blew everyone else out of the water. And dude hit my eyes. I, ch- I got choked up when I told him that. And then his eyes started swelling and we were literally, he had to pull over by that, by that, uh, what was that, that, that tower dock over there across yeah. the bay. He pulled over there and just Part stopped for a second and we cried and I turned my camera off. I set it down and we just sat there, did not say a word and we choked up. And that to me says it all and how emotional this win was for him to his fa- what it means to his family, to him, his childhood dreams, everything involved with his past and his future and his present right now. Um, it means so much to him. So I can't wait to talk to him about all this. And that, that was a, a really special personal moment for me. So I had to mention that. Yeah. Uh, well, I didn't see it because I was obviously on stage, stage or getting ready to go on stage. I heard about it from other camera people. You guys must've been blubbery because oh. one camera person, I think it was Kyle Jesse said, I thought there was something wrong. Like I thought they got a b- bad news or something from home. So you guys must've just been an embarrassing bobbling. <laughs> he couldn't, it had I not done, had we not done that, he would have cried on stage. I mean, this he's a crier. He, he's, so am I. Yeah. So am I. I, I cry about, I, I can handle bad news, but I can't handle good news. <laughs> I guess that's my mom and me, but, um, you know, that, uh, he was so emotional because he knew at that point, a, he did this in, in front of his home crowd and B he, he knows what this means to his career. I mean, did it not feel like he won the classic? I mean, it was like huge. Yeah. I mean, maybe not quite the classic, but bigger than the classic Um, or not bigger than the classic, but bigger than a regular elite series event. Just because I think because it was at home, because it was another hundred pound bag, because he went back to back. It's so rare to do that. You know, Um, uh, Drew Cook told me and and the best comment of the week, um, because the first time we went there and um, Brandon Cobb won and I kind of. The fall one, that's, you know, that was kind of a different time of year or whatever. And and give that, you know, Patrick Walters walked away with that event. But the first one where Cook won, um, Lee was shattered. You know what I mean? mean like Cobb. He, he, yeah, we're Cobb. Cobb, sorry. Yeah. Sometimes you know me in Cook, names. Cook, Cobb, whatever. Cook, Cobb. It's all, it's all <laughs> those C names. Um, Cook and Corn Cobbs. <laughs> but Cobb. But Cook said to me. Look, uh, wow, you think I speak for a living. <laughs> Drew Cook told me that the best the best line of the week, he said, because when we first went to there, you, you hear about locals, but you just don't know how good of a local they are. You know what I mean? We just met Lee and Cook looked to me the other night and he's like, man, I am glad he screwed up the first one. He didn't use the word screwed up. He used another word, but YouTube heard us on the algorithm. <laughs> we swear too much, so I won't. But he said that uh, we... I'm glad, you know, in retrospect, looking just how dominant he is on that body of water. It's incredible what he's done. And I think it is bigger than a classic just simply because or not bigger than a classic, but bigger than a regular elite. Cause man, this solidifies his career. 
you know, the first one he won was on chick and it was so weird of conditions and he, he won it. So it was so close. Then he wins on fork and it's like, yeah, well, it's set up perfectly for him. And, and to go back there, never mind, you know, the open in between there. I mean, he solidified as, as, you know, a, a long time pro. And I mean, four wins is thrown around. Look at Brandon Polnick and how celebrated his career is. He is six. Lee Livesey has four in the last three years. You know, Davey Height is a bass fishing hall of famer, and this is no slide on him. He's eight wins. Lee Livesey has done half of that. Now it doesn't include all the angle of the year titles and stuff that Davey did and, and the classic title, obviously, but just a number of wins. I mean, four, I don't think people realize how just astonishing what he's done over the last number of years has been. I was told that he he is he was the quickest second quickest yeah. to three wins in Bassmaster history. Is that right? That is correct. Yeah, I think the quickest like, was KVD. I mean, KVD did it. I think Lee's done it in thirty four attempts, and KVD did it in twenty four attempts. And Mike McClellan's in there somewhere. But just say that to yourself. I mean. Look at the names you're comparing him to already, and it's his exactly. fourth year as a professional angler, full-time, you know, touring professional angler. Exactly. And he's, you know, and he did this. He did the, I, this. This is no slight to anyone else, and I'm not trying to, you know, pull judgment up or any of that stuff. But Lee, Lee came from way less than what a lot of people have, have come from in the sport and he did this somewhat the hard way. I mean, he came out of the trenches and, and, and that's what I like about him. That's why he's, you know, he likes being called the people's champ because that's what he is. You know, I mean, everybody loves him. He's the Bush light guy. He's the whiskey Myers guy. He's got Texas written all over him. And he still to this day, he, and he probably always will reminds me of like Dale Earnhardt. He's got that, that, He's just got that aura about him yeah. where he's intimidating, he's tall, he's dressed in black. His his boat is so black you can't step into it barefoot on a 70 degree day, <laughs> you know. And 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 he and he drives that boat like a race car. I mean, that's that's yeah. that's the persona that he is and and I love it. I think, you know, our our world is full of characters and that's who he is. Yeah, he is um he he's He's, it's amazing what he's come. And I mean, I just, when you say the people's champ, I mean, it was never, ever displayed. He is definitely the people's chance for people in that area because it was never displayed more than me and you were standing um, at his place that he was staying when he came back after winning. A lot of his buddies were around and it, you know, the words he said when he got out, he's like, I got us another one boys. And, you know, set it up on the deck and they all came around like to see the support that he has I think that's why he's got it. You know what I mean? If he had been this hotshot that didn't pay his dues and didn't work and just, you don't see like the amount of people around him and the amount of like, you know, his buddies that pointed out, uh, and I forget his name, a young dude, 21 years old. He's giant dude. One of Lee's Jack buddies. York. Yeah. And they're like, yeah. that's the next one. That's the next Lee coming. And it's just, it's so cool to see how proud all of those guys are. And that just only comes by being, a good person. Exactly. Someone actually texted that to me in a DM on Instagram this morning. It's, they said, did you, they, well, first of all, they said, did you hear all the party horns and all the cheering and stuff? Every time he caught a fish, I'm like, uh, yeah, <laughs> I was sitting there, but 
it was it was loud. I mean, it sounded like it sounded like a college football game, you know, at College Station, Texas. Yeah. You know, cowbells, party horns. There's a guy flying this huge bush light American flag. They're drinking they're all beer at eight thirty in the morning. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, they're all wearing Lee Livesey jerseys. Yeah. I mean, it was it was, and like you said, what this guy texted me this morning was. When, when people do that, when you're out on the water and people are doing that, they're not there to hit waypoints. They're there because you're their guy. And, and like you said, he's, he's as blue collar as it gets. And that just shows and, and, and really illustrates his character and who he is and what he means to all those people around there. It's really, it's really cool. Yeah. It's, um, it was an awesome weekend and a big weekend for Lee. And I agree. I mean, it's a career maker, like to win that many. And, and, and I don't think he's even close to done. Like, you know, not, no. not, not even close. I mean, I'm going to say something bold right now. I'm, I'm taking him at Pickwick. I know, I know that sounds weird. Back and to I back. I'm taking really? him at Pickwick because he, he's in a zone now. And I don't know what it's going to be like at Pickwick, but I hope he gets a chance to pick up his frog because he never threw a frog not one time at Lake Fork because the opportunity just never really showed itself for what the conditions had set up to be. And I I don't know why. I have no rhyme or reason behind it, but I'm taking Lee at Pickwick. Well... Uh, I I, I would love to say, (laughs) wow, that is ballsy to go back to back. I mean, what a freaking month you know what i mean like he <laughs> just a little over a month had a baby won an open won an elite and now jake is picking him as um that open back. got him going I, I in my opinion that open because he was struggling somewhat up until then yeah. and 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 he was ready i don't think he has had much experience at ross barnett um and for him to go down there and win like he did I mean, I, I just think that that was a pick me up, and he's he's on a roll right now, and the energy, the momentum, all that stuff. So we'll see, we'll see. Wow, back to back, that is putting pressure on. But man, if you pull it off, I mean, it is kind of like a Babe Ruth pointing for your shot. Like if you pulled off them, Ronnie Moore was scared to take him because he had sixty nine percent taken. Some people were saying seventy, but it's been clarified to me that do not say seventy. It was sixty nine. 69% taken Lee Livesey in fantasy fishing. Um, and Ronnie said it was too much taken, wouldn't take him. And look what happened. So um, you're backing your buddy. Should we bring him in now? Hold on. Like I want to say, I got oh. 30, 30 more seconds. So okay. I want to say this too, before we bring Lee in people, I, I've seen comments on social media about, you know, hit being his home leg. That was easy for him and all this. And tell I want to Cliff tell- Prince, tell that team. He, Kelly Jordan, who tried to win all those years there, all of the bloody gross at Chickamauga. Yeah. This list goes on yeah. and on. And that's why I wanted to bring this up because in my opinion, it is so much harder to win at home because you put so much more pressure on yourself. And it wasn't like, like last year, Lee was catching freaking monster after monster on that top water. And he looked so much at home. What people don't realize about this year's win at Lake Fork was how hard he had to work and how the the lake was fishing so much smaller because it was six feet lower than normal. And there were his rotations were always jacked up. I mean, we would go hit like 10 spots in a rotation and he would have to hit like six 
before he could find an opening at another one because there was always someone on his spot. And so I want to emphasize how much more difficult this was for him and how hard he had to work to to make this happen, particularly on days three and four. It it was tough. I'm telling you. Yeah, it it wasn't, it wasn't an easy win. Um, But that's what he said. He said, man, I, I don't often get it done pretty, but it usually gets done. And man, did it ever get done? Should we bring him in now? Or Let's get him. Let's go get him. Let's bring him in, ladies and gentlemen. Lee Livesey. Lee, I, I thought you have accomplished lots. I mean, I, what you've accomplished is incredible. But um, your best buddy right there, Jake, just called you out and said he's picking you for Pickwick to go back to back. Oh, I thought he picked me for Mississippi River. No, you picking you for Mississippi River. <laughs> dude i've got this gut feeling you're just on a roll and you know sometimes pickwick can set i mean it's the tennessee river and that place can set up like you want it to and i don't know why i have no rhyme or reason behind it but i've just got this gut feeling you're going to do really well there so now the pressure's on (laughs) no no pressure at all Uh, (laughs) you know everybody has seen me as a shallow power topwater frog braid fisherman but i've actually built my strengths as far as fishing goes offshore you know deep cranking you know spooning hair jigging throwing baits that other guys offshore aren't throwing you know i've got an arsenal oh we just haven't we don't go to many tournaments where we get to utilize that stuff we really don't you know we're mainly fishing around the spawn and then uh smallmouth you know up north obviously out deep but it's different baits and techniques so I mean, I'm excited about it because I get to actually throw some cool stuff and fish out deep. And, you know, that's what I, I'm good at. Honestly, we just haven't got, I mean, obviously I just want a tournament doing it, but you know, we hadn't gotten to utilize it to the full capacity on my end of it. So I'm excited for sure. And there's grass at Pickwick too. You know, I'm not just going to fish offshore, offshore. I'm going to, I'm going to look at the shell and the grass and all that stuff too. And, you know, we're, we're good. We're in the classic and we want another one so we can, we can gamble on something that we have no idea about and see what happens. Jake knows you're very good with a hair, Jake. I mean, he's a, he's a big fan of your hair, Jake. <laughs> he tried to kill me with one. I just showed I showed Mercer the bruise. I, for those that don't know this, which is everybody except the three of us now, um, I got hit with a hair jig on live, which a lot of people saw. And it's so funny because I was filming Lee – he, he got bit, he loaded the rod up and I, uh, I did a 90 degree angle turn to the fish, got on the fish immediately, zoomed in, racked focus and this hair jig comes flying out to the lens and hits me in the abdomen and it sounded like it hit a watermelon. For whatever reason, I didn't check it until like literally about an hour ago when I got out of the shower and I said, I'll be damn, I got a freaking bruise there. <laughs> Yeah, that was a 100-mile-an-hour fastball from Lee Livesey, man. Yeah, that was awesome. I couldn't help but not laugh. It was <laughs> – Well, you were talking about – you know, you were talking about all the, the versatility. I mean, ironically, on your home lake at Lake Fork, you know, the versatility that you had to pull out of your bat belt to win this tournament was really incredible because on day one when I jumped in your boat, there was two rods on the deck, right? Mm-hmm. Two rods on one side. I mean, you had a clean, open deck. And when we came in at the end of day three, there's like 14 rods on the deck. Most of them were busted off. I mean, it was like, it was like, it was like a freaking, like a freaking, uh, uh, 
a, a yard sale, man. I mean, it, it was all, it was just trash because he was working so hard and he had to figure things out because people, there was so much pressure on his spots. Um, that's something that people need to realize even on your home pond. That was not easy. Was it? No, I mean, it was a freaking train wreck, honestly, of nothing going right, but everything going right. You know, it felt like I was going to bomb and end up winning by whatever the margin was. I don't even know. but uh, Like 11 and a half 11 pounds. pounds, I think. Mm-hmm. It just nothing happened how I thought it would. There was no nothing preconceived spot-wise or area-wise where I usually smash them. And I had all this opportunity to find fish each day. I looked for hours each every day of the tournament. And it never worked out right. And I, it was just crazy the way it all ended up happening. It was not the way I would have ever pictured it, you know, besides the end result. Why do you think that was? I mean, I I, I agree with you totally because all week I kept saying the same thing. I'm like, it's like nothing has gone right, but it, but it, nothing's going wrong for you. It just seemed right. like no matter, even I said a bunch of times on Sunday, like on live when you did go through those few hours where it was where it was slow and we did know that you graphed a lot the day before so obviously to go through those hours it wasn't like it was just like you were looking for things but i'm like it's i have no doubt he's going to catch them cuz all week long it's been like everything's gone wrong fish getting wrapped in trees fishing bit all these different things but it just always worked out yeah it was just it was a weird weird tournament on that end of it but you know at the same time you know looking for all those hours and you know i know a lot of really good spots where they should be pulling up and uh you know sometimes not catching them and not finding them is just as good because you're not going to waste any time on that stuff you know and i had one spot where i knew they were reloading every day you know i didn't know how good it was how many it had or how big it had but every time i would pull up i would catch a few good fish so it kind of made me put all my eggs in that basket at some point in time, you know, it wasn't like I just freaked out and ran over there. I actually looked at more stuff the final day when I shouldn't have been, but I was confident knowing that I could go back there and get big, uh, get bit by a good fish. And I mean, I, you know, Jake knows I always have a plan in my head that I talk about and I might not always follow that plan, but you know, going through different spots and I ran a bunch that morning. I was always saying, you know, by nine 30, I need to be on that spot by nine 30. And, you know, I pulled up on it at nine 29. I showed up a minute, a minute early actually on my schedule and, and I caught one first cast, I think. So it was, it looked like a train wreck and it was, but at the same time, we always have a plan and it was a really cool one the way it worked out. Talk about it's important. It's important to know for the people to know that, you won that tournament on a spot you had never caught a bass on. This is your home pond. You never caught a bass on that, at least maybe maybe in practice you did. But up until this event, you never had caught a fish there. So, you know, I, that's worth talking about because of the, the way things turned out and how you had to go back there day three and day four to really upgrade your fish or even, you know, get out of the weeds that you were in, particularly on day four. Yeah, and uh, that was the weird thing about it. You know, I'd never even looked at that spot in my life before and, and found those fish the first day of practice and uh, came back and caught two of them, the first two casts, in pra- you know, the second day of practice. And they weren't big. They were like, you know, almost a three and almost a four, you know. Usually the big ones bite first. So I was like, oh, you know, maybe it'll be good for 
one fish a day. Maybe there's more, maybe it'll be good for 14, 16 pounds if I need it, you know, if I struggle. And so I really wasn't planning on using it. You know, it was going to be something I just was going to check in the tournament and see if they got bigger. And, and they did obviously, but I actually, I weighed fish from there every single day. I weighed a six there the first day um, and a five or six there the second day. And no, I caught a bunch there the second day cranking. Uh, right. Yeah. I caught a bunch there the second day. I don't know how many of my kept. And then the third day I weighed four of my five there, every one but that eight. And then every single fish I caught the final day came from there uh, weight wise. So it was, it was huge for me, you know, including an eight, three, which people haven't seen yet because that happened on your last cast. And the fact that you pulled in there on day one, I remember, I remember specifically when you pulled up, you said, I got it. I got to fish this spot. I'm probably not, this probably full of three or three and five pounders, probably not going to catch anything big, but I'm going to, I want to get 25 pounds out of here and they go hunting for a bigger fish. I remember you saying that specifically. Yeah. I mean, I just, obviously I didn't know what was there and I still don't. <laughs> there was still another thing <laughs> when I left. I know it's not there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, and, and I, I went through different baits on the spot. You know, you saw me catching them on a jig, a big worm, a crank, two different crank baits, a hair jig, a flutter spoon and a Carolina rig, you know, and I wanted so bad to throw a drop shot in there, but I was scared of breaking them off. You know, there's no telling how many I could have caught on a drop shot in there. So it was a, uh, it was a cool little spot that paid off. Why is fork such a home for innovation? Like, you know, you look at all the like long line in a crankbait, the big spoon and all the different things that, you know, all the forefathers, whether it be, you know, the late Mark Pack, Kelly Jordan, all of, you know, there's so many incredible anglers from fork, but, but it has also been a hub for innovation in the sport. It's just because of how the lake sets up and the fish population. So we have so many unique spots to catch fish, whether it's, and I'm just generically talking about offshore fishing right now, because that's what we were doing. So you have humps, you got roadbeds, you got points, you got ridges, you got timber, underwater bridges, actual bridges, you know, roadbeds, shell beds, just there's tire reefs, you know, there's all kinds of stuff to catch fish off of to try different techniques, AKA different baits. That's the first and foremost thing. And then second is the fish get so much pressure. They see so much of the same, you know, generic Carolina rig, worm, jig, stuff like that, that we try other baits and people will come in there with very unique techniques and baits because the fish are accustomed to everything else. And, and they catch these great big bags on them because they haven't seen them. And then we transfer it to other lakes and other areas of the, of the country. So that's, that's kind of the two, two reasons why you see innovation on Lake Fork. The, the, the eight, five you caught, this just carries me into this moment when you had pulled up to this spot. I mean, you were struggling to find a spot because either a, someone was on it on every spot you wanted to go to, or there, the fish weren't set up on the other spots that you had available and you pulled into this one spot and you caught a yellow bass. And then I think you had already caught a white bass there. And I remember asking you, I said, it was a pretty good size white bass. And I asked you specifically, I said, would a 10 pound largemouth eat a fish that big? And you said, 
Oh, absolutely. Hell yeah. And so I started thinking about big, the whole big glide bait trend and, you know, all that, all that, uh, that's that type of technique going there. Can't, you can't have a bait big enough. And then all of a sudden you go out there and, you know, ironically you were throwing a jig, but you catch an eight five on that spot in the white bass, not set up where you thought they were going to be. You didn't know if they were bass in with those white bass. You didn't even know if they were yellow bass or white bass, but you saw, you saw bait there. So you had to try it and you pull this jig out and catch an eight five. And this, this ding went off in my head. Like, wow, this, that, that was an incredible catch. I thought. Yeah. Like that's a thing there though. When we find those white bass grouped up like that and the yellow bass, we call them barfish here. Uh, those, you might not catch just a lot of bass out of those groups, but you'll catch a bigger than a bigger than average size bass out of those schools. Cause then they're, they're in there eating them, eating the barfish, eating the white bass. And, you know, I could tell from graphing that spot that there weren't a lot of bass in there, but I saw four or five like big ones. Remember I even said those might even be catfish in there eating them. They were so big, you know, they were all mature, just like eight to 10 pound bass, I think. And, you saw me, I pulled up with a flutter spoon and I caught a yellow and I caught two whites, I think. And I said, okay, I got those whites fired up. Now I'm going to catch a black, hopefully. And I changed my angle and I picked up a jig and threw in there and caught her. I think I caught it first cast with the jig, actually. It was. Exa- it was definitely the first cast. I remember vividly. <laughs> but it was because I got those white bass down there fired up, feeding and those big largemouth. You know, what's going on? That fish is over there stressed and they start eating a couple of them and just get a little stupid. It's like wildebeest scattering and then the lions having to chase something because everything's yeah. going everywhere. I mean, same principle, right? Same, same thing. Just a, a feeding frenzy. Lee, you've been on every podcast in the history of mankind, literally this <laughs> week. Um, so we got to give them the juice that, that you can't get anywhere else for them to listen to our tomfoolery. How many times did Jake need to poop his pants this week in the tournament? <laughs> Zero. Wow, the emodium worked. Oh no, dude! I was like, I was, I made sure I was regular in the morning at the, on this trip because there was no way. <laughs> hey, he had like seventeen boats following him around the whole time. And I'm like, there's no way. I mean, I would definitely have to jump in the water there. <laughs> you know, we cooked crawfish. Both of y'all came over actually one night, so I definitely thought about it midday uh, that next day. But I took an extra emodium after eating crawfish. <laughs> <laughs> My real question, though, is um, this relationship between you two guys. I mean, there's a lot of, I mean, that's the one thing that nobody gets to see that I think is cool. I mean, number one, the hardest working people at Bass are the camera folks. Um, And I say it all the time, but there's a lot of people have relationships. But but to be as tight as you guys are, do you feel that, that that almost gives you an advantage, Lee? Like when you're competing, when you, I mean, it's luck that you get Jake, you know what I mean? Like, and you did what you need to do to keep him in your boat all week. I mean, if you fall out of the top six, the first two days, you would have lost him. Right. But, but I mean, you're out there with a buddy. Just tell me about the relationship, both of you guys, really. Yeah, it's definitely an advantage, you know, and it's a, a mental advantage for sure that, uh, you know, the whole friendship thing, you know, that's not just on the water winning, that's off the water uh, hunting together and drinking beer. And, and Jake's just, uh, you know, everybody loves Jake. It's hard to not like Jake. So I know a lot of people that don't like me, but I don't know anybody that <laughs> likes Jake. 
So, well, know. the other camera guys, if he keeps winning, they're going to stop liking Jake. I mean, he's right. got a four <laughs> and two record this year. <laughs> so, you know, Jake's just one of those guys that's, you know, that positive mental attitude and his energy and, you know, it's, it's everything. He'll make you happy and he'll make you cry and, and all that. But it's definitely an advantage on my side just because he, he knows when to be quiet. He knows when to, you know, give me encouragement. He knows when to, you know, make the right moves as a cameraman, you know, just being in the boat. It's kind of like having a good fishing team partner. Yeah. I know when he's behind me and, you know, he knows when I know and stuff like that. And it's just, it's just natural when we're together as far as that goes. So he's, he's the best. I mean, I tell that to everybody and I'm very grateful to have him in my boat whenever I can. Jake, do you I ever feel, see- uh, before you get in there, I also got to ask you, do you ever feel pressure like if Lee's in the top 10 and you're with another angler that they're just looking at you being like, a, like that you guys have been so public with this relationship. They'd be like, you'd rather be with Lee, wouldn't you? <laughs> oh yeah. yeah I, I, I can feel that. <laughs> when, he, when he comes by, no matter who I'm with, when Lee comes by, if I'm not in his boat, I feel like I should be. And to be honest with you, going all the way back to, to chick, you know, when he won there, I didn't really see this, this friendship coming it just happened and it was so organic and authentic. And I think it's, you know, the blue collar and both of us, um, the, the kind of energy that he needs the kind of energy that I need. And, and now we've been together so much in the boat together so much. Like he said, we dance like when he, he, cause he comes back to the back of the boat a lot because he'll set up with his spot lock, you know, facing into the wind or whatever direction he needs to be in. And instead of staying on the front deck, he comes to the back, particularly to land fish or to fight fish. He always does. And now I know, and he knows that I don't have to go to the front of the boat to stay out of his way. He comes around me and I go to the other corner. It's like two guys dancing in a ring in a boxing ring. And, and I'll even, I'll even, I'm not scared to put my hand on his back without saying anything. So he knows where I am. So he doesn't a get his, his rod tip hung in my camera, which I've done before, like with Taku, I've done several times. And and we, we just know, we know, uh, you know, the vibe and where each other is. And, and when he catches a big one, which he typically does at some point in every event, I just get fired up, man. There's something about his energy that fires me up and that reciprocates itself uh, between the two of us. So, yeah, I, I love being in his boat and I love, you know, going to his camp or wherever he's staying, hanging out and and doing all those things. I mean, we text during the week a lot of times and just talk about shit, you know? <laughs> so it's cool, man. Lee's a, Lee is a great guy and I'm glad we were friends before he got super, before he turned into a super superstar. So now everyone knows that this was organic and authentic. There's nothing fake about it. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> Where do you feel your career is Lee? Like, I mean, but what does this win do for your career? Like Jake said, I mean, I, I, we talked about it before we brought you on. It felt a lot bigger than a regular elite series win. And Maybe that's because we're buddies, whatever, but it did. Yeah, I think a lot of that has to do with winning last, or, you know, not last week, whatever it was, three weeks ago on Ross Barnett. So I was fresh on everybody's mind, you know, because I had had a rough uh, season before that, besides, you know, a couple of events in the Classic. So I think I was just fresh on everybody's mind. And obviously it was just 
double dose from last year winning fork two and all the all the crap y'all guys talk about out there about I should win it and, and we did it again. So it was in my mind, my career has just started and it has, you know, and it, there's no that's all for y'all to talk about. I don't care about any of that. I just want to win another one, you know. Um my mind's always about, you know, how I need to fish to win the next event. And uh, you know, I we're in the classic now and it's, you know, I can do stupid stuff now if I want to, to, to get dangerous and win another one, you know? So, and that, that's so cliche to say, but it's honest, you know, I can take a gamble anywhere I go and, and bomb and I'll be just totally fine with it. You know, I'm not fishing for points or, or money at all. The rest of the year I'm fishing literally to win another trophy. And I'm not going to be stupid. Don't get me wrong, but I can definitely take some gambles, whether it's making a long run at Hawaii or, Mississippi river locking or, you know, St. Lawrence going out in the lake if there's six footers or, or stuff like that, you know? So it's, it's, uh, my career is just getting started in my mind. You know, I want to be here for a long time and I want to win a, a lot of stuff. I don't want to win just, just that, you know, we still have the classic and, and the AOI is the most prestigious in my mind, you know? So that's, uh, that's all future goals of mine or stuff like that. Well, you, you know, one of the things you always say when you bring a trophy home, you always say, we got another one. It's always about we, it's not about me. And I really appreciate that about you, Lee, in that, you know, obviously the people that followed you around, your flotilla that you had on Lake Fork and the fans that you have and the way they talk about you, um, they love you. You are the people's champ. And I think when you say we brought another one home, that's, that's where that comes from. And I think that's why people love you so much. So, you know, it's not all about, it's not all about Lee. It's all about, it's all about us and the big picture. You always talk about, Hey man, you know, that was great. And I'm ready to go win another one. Now let's just keep winning trophies and everything else will take care of itself. Yeah, you know, I'm winning, I'm winning that trophy for everybody. You know, I feel the pressure, you know, and it's not just family and friends. It's Jake, you know, that final day when I was struggling, you know, I could feel Jake getting quiet back there, you know, and not that it was hurting me, but I was thinking, man, you know, I want to win it for Jake too. You know, I don't want Jake to lose and I don't want, if Davey Hype picked me to win, I want him to win too. And the people following me in the boats that I don't even know, you know, the people, those aren't just family, you know, it's, random people that have flown in or drove in from out of state all over the place that just kind of want to feel that feeling that we're getting at, at, at these events on fork and, and, and in other stuff. So I want to win for everybody, you know, that, that whole crowd out there that at Lake fork that's rooting me on. I saw just, I mean, the most random people that I haven't seen in 15 years and then best friends and, and people that I'll never see again. I'm sure, you know, I've, I want to win that for everybody. And that's, that's why we uh, changed it from the Marshall Mercer. <laughs> well, whatever, whatever the people's champ wants, the people's champ gets. Um, <laughs> and you, speaking of winning, you played football against Matt Stafford growing up and uh, he had a pretty good season. Let's go with the 2022 season. And you're having a pretty good season, 2022 season. It's a two part question. I, I, First, I want to tell you, I want to ask you who's having a better year and not financially, but, but wins wise. Um, we know who won the financial end of things. You, of course, <laughs> um, uh, who's having a better year. Um, I want you to answer that. And then I want you to tell me what it's like to, to play against Matt Stafford and watch him. You, you know what I mean? Watch him go on to the Super Bowl and stuff like that. 
Yeah, and I didn't play against Matt a bunch because he was in a different division. We played him in the playoffs, and he was – I think he was like three years younger than me, maybe. Maybe two, I don't remember. But uh, he never threw a ball that you could pick off. I do remember that, even being that young. He always was low. And low is what you want to be as a quarterback. You always want to be low as a safety, you know, looking as a safety. So that's what I remember about Matt. He was a competitor and, and uh, was obviously really, really good. And and he's not done yet. So I think I got the, the better season going, though. You know, I'm going to be greedy on that one. <laughs> Uh, I mean, I agree. I agree. Financially, he might have won. And then and, and he, he, if any team wins the Super Bowl, but the Kansas City Chiefs, I think they're losers. He probably <laughs> made more money in one second <laughs> than I did yeah. all year. Yeah. He's loaded. <laughs> <laughs> but he had to live in Detroit for like 12 years and never, ever uh, make the playoffs. I don't, I think they made the playoffs, but never win a playoff game, obviously. So. You win. You get to fish for a living. You win. Right. And I don't like Detroit. <laughs> you don't, you don't like, like the Detroit. Detroit Lions or just Detroit? Detroit. Yeah. <laughs> when we go to St. Clair, it's always like, oh, man, I love St. Clair, but it's weird. <laughs> yeah. I'm sure there's a great part of Detroit. Nobody's just ever invited me to that part. <laughs> I, I literally stay on, you know, there's a movie with Eminem called Eight Mile. Yeah. And I literally I stay on 10 mile when I'm there. So you can only imagine. <laughs> yeah. That's it. Well, and it's changed a lot over the last number of years. I mean, half their population fled and they went bankrupt. So I would say that the, the whole part of Detroit's a little, it's a little strange. It's not quite Texas. No. Lee, when, when you like now, you know, things have happened really quickly. We've talked about this already in this podcast, in your career, things are moving on up. And how does that feel to go from whatever you felt before to now? It's got to be life changing and lots of lots of stuff running through your head. How to conduct your business and all that stuff? Yeah, I mean it's and it's still coming full flood. You know, by the second, obviously, all this is happening so quick. You know, thankfully, uh, you know, I've gotten married in the last half year, had a kid. You know. Two months ago, she's eight weeks old right now. So there's all kinds of stuff going on in my life, all positive. But, you know, as far as the growth as an angler, I kind of feel good coming in. You know, I came in green, obviously, like everybody. Uh, You know, most of my sponsors were non-endemic stuff, you know, stuff from guiding, just knowing really good friends that had been clients that had companies that could could sponsor me or, or would. And the good thing about my growth as an angler business-wise has been branching out into the more, you know, fishing related companies, you know, that's where I'm growing. And my fan base has been really organic to me. You know, I don't have 150,000 followers or what 70 or 80, you know, I'm in that 26,000, 4,000, whatever it is. I don't even have a clue what I have right now, but I feel like, my fan base is really interactive with me and organic, you know, that we built from nothing. If that makes sense to y'all, you know, I feel like everybody was with me from the beginning and like listening to whiskey Myers or drinking Bush, you know, just seeing people that have jumped on the Bush light train shows me, you know, how many people are that connected to me and enjoy, you know, doing what I like to do too. Just, 
I mean, we sold Wood County out of Bush Light in three days at Lake Fork. Uh, so it's just cool to see my growth, my fan base growth be really organic. And I try to interact with them really good. You know, I, even the other night after I won uh, on Fork, you know, we had people over at my house again uh, to, you know, drink beer and celebrate. And I, I went over to the uh, – Dave was with me. Mercy, you are with me. I walked – me and Dave sat in the parking lot and drank a beer together. Uh, before we left and he said man this is probably the best time of your day you don't have to talk to anybody and we just kind of sat there in silence but there was a group of SRA workers over in the fence you know that put on the event you know guys just blue collar guys that I've kind of I know a couple of them and you know, I walked over there and I had a beer with them and I said hey you know any of y'all want to come over and and hang out at the house let me know and they're like really you know kind of deal you know and sure enough a couple of them came over that night and and, you know, had some beers and told stories and talked about hunting and fishing and, and working. And I think just growing my, my fan base like that, just with good blue collar people that support me and, and enjoy my company. And what I like to do is, is where I'm enjoying growing as an angler is just that the fishing related sponsor wise. And just that, you know, I don't have to have a million followers. I like to, to know that everybody that that's following me is really enjoying me and, and I can talk to just like me and y'all two do. Yeah. It, it, I mean, I don't know about your day, but that 20 minutes was one of the coolest parts of my day. And it wasn't, I mean, we sat there not talking half the time, you know what I mean? Just yeah. both like that's literally that's looking fun. at each other, looking at the trophy and it was cool to see you decompress and just like, I mean, everybody has to thank their sponsor. Everybody's got a job to do. But everybody, I don't care who you are. I think that's what makes Takumi Ito so special. He says exactly what's going through his mind. And to watch you and just have you repeatedly just be like, is this real? Did I really like, do, 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 I mean, it, it was a very cool moment to to be part of. Yeah. And, and there's highs and lows and ups and downs. You know, when I checked in, you know, it was just me and Jake and my marshal and you know, Jake, like I said, Jake can make you cry. And just, you know, he asked me one of the same questions, you know, how, how, how is this wind going to change your life? You know, I'm talking about, we had just idled in. We, I didn't even know where to park. And my mind was just blown at this point in time that I had won another one. So it was, uh, there was a surreal moment before I actually got into the weigh-in section with it was just me and Jake. Yeah. And I sat there and I couldn't stop crying. Uh, you know, happy cry, sad cry, whatever. And then obviously the way in everything, the way in was cool because of what had happened in front of me with Brandon and Gerald. And the week had went good where I got to plug my sponsors, a lot of them on the water, off the water on podcasts. So when I was on the stage, I never even had to mention a sponsor. And I guarantee you every single one of my companies was cool with it because of how the week had went down. So that was really nice just to get to talk to the crowd and then it transitioned into all the autographs and all the great stuff afterwards. But then when I sat there in my boat with you, just staring at the trophy with a beer saying, Is, did this really just happen again the way it happened? So it was, it was a, it was a really cool event and on different levels for sure on my end. That, you know, the, the moment that we kind of stopped in the idle zone there after you checked in, you said, well, where you know where are we what 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 and and i couldn't even like i held up i held up a finger and i because i couldn't talk because i knew if i did i was gonna i was freaking gonna lose it and 
you know, what makes me so emotional when things like that happen, Lee, is I know, I don't know what it really meant to you, but I know it means a lot. And to be there, to be the only person in the boat, well, exception of, of the marshal, we had, you know, four different marshals, but to, to be there and witness all the struggle and all the things that you did. I mean, I, I was sitting there literally imagining for four days these are all things Lee's learned over 36 years on Lake Fork. Like he had to, he had to throw everything but the kitchen sink. And then the emotional outpouring, when you caught that eight, three on the last cast, dude, I was like, like my heart and my head exploded. Literally. I put my camera down and I ran up to the front deck and grabbed Lee. I bear hugged him and he lifted me off. He lifted me up like, 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 Kermit the Frog and Miss Piggy. <laughs> yeah, and my my feet were swinging. Who's in Kermit the and who's Miss Piggy? <laughs> Sesame Street. <laughs> no, no. Which one of you oh. is Kermit and which one of you is Miss Piggy? I yeah. guess I would be Miss Piggy. <laughs> but th- th- when that happened, you know, I c- I can't help it. I can't help it when I raise my arm and I just go. I was like, yeah, like. I can't help it. That's the sports fan in me and that's the friend in me. And that's all this love and emotional support coming out that I've been holding in for four days. And when that happened, I knew he had already pretty much won the tournament, but you know, at that point there was still 30 minutes left when he was seven, he was seven pounds up and Paul Nick could have caught a nine pounder right then and taken the lead. Like, and I was waiting on that. I was checking my bass track like constantly and not saying anything. And when he stuck that eight three, I was like, dude, on a spoon in wood, like it was just, it was insane. Was it not insane? It was. And it was kind of weird because we were off live. Sega was gone. Dalton was gone. It was just me, you, and probably 10 because a lot of the, uh, guys that were following had went to make the way in, you know, load up, make the way in. So there was just a little core group of us there. And it was, the fish was, I hadn't thrown a spoon there at all. The fish was hooked with one hook, just barely underneath the chin, got me wrapped up in a tree. I fell down on the boat. Uh, it's all <laughs> kind of stuff. Cause the fish was fighting so hard. I knew if she pulled it all. She was going to pull that hook. And I was trying to lose the tension. I couldn't push my butt. So I fell down trying to get the rod in the water. It was just insane. And, and just going kind of on that, that, that fish catch in the last hour or so, you know, I caught a, I think I caught like a five pounder or one of the later ones I caught, you know, that not, not that I was getting info, but somebody in the crowd, I just heard that was talking louder said, no, he's still up by four pounds. And in my head, that meant, oh, I just weighed that fish. You know, is Lee leading up? No. Polnick's still up by four pounds is what went in my head. So I was like, oh, shit, you know, I'm losing by four pounds still. I mean, you had a 110 and a 114 in, in your, in uh, you know, in your five. You yeah. still had two fish under, under two pounds that you had to get rid of with an hour to go. Is, is, am I, do I remember that right? Somewhere close, but yeah. The only thing I knew was, you know, I could feel everybody getting tense. I didn't know if it was good, like he's winning <laughs> or bad. But you know, I still had photographers, had drone, so I didn't know. So I was going to fish till the very last second. I actually, 
I was talking about the, you know, I'm doing this at this time. I said at two 30, I'm leaving and I'm going to the brim bed. I had one spot, one brim bed. Where I thought I could pull up one cast, a, a giant, if he was there and had that fish, but I kept seeing these fish on my 360 showing up and they were eating shad. And I was like, man, I just stayed and fished a little bit. And I said, I'm going to throw that spoon in there. If it gets hung up, whatever, I'll break it off and I'll haul butt to that brim bed. This was like 2.38, I think, somewhere in there. That's exactly what time it was, 2.38. It was after I said I should leave. So I had kind of committed. I threw that spoon in there and hopped it once and did what we just talked about, the fight and everything. Well, I caught that fish. I don't even remember what I did. I kind of blacked out. But uh, waited in, let it go. And I stood up on the front deck and I looked back at Jake. And Jake put his camera down, which he never does. You know, he never, and he came up and gave me that hug. And when he did that, I was like, oh shit, I might be in the lead instead of being behind by four pounds. So that's when, uh, when it got serious in my mind that I might've won. We got it. We got to tell everyone when you pull, so he, so Lee's making his rounds. He's going to all these different spots. He's been, we've been to, you know, five, six, seven, eight times throughout this four day event and time is running out. He's got two fish under two pounds in his live well or in on his, in his five count. And he's like, like we're, this is just, is just about over. So he goes back to that spot that he had been, you know, doing so well on really the only spot he did really well on. He goes back there. And as soon as we pull up, there's two, there are two big shad that flicked at the top. And then all these things started adding up for him literally to lead into throwing a big spoon because that was really the last thing you hadn't thrown at him. And because they were feeding, and then you caught that five pounder, the first one you caught when you pulled up, it took you a while to catch that fish and it had a squared off belly. Like it had literally just eaten a shad, literally just choked it down. Lee hooks into this fish with a 300 DD. Is that right? With a crankbait, whatever it was. And the, the fish goes limp. It was in a, it was in a food coma because it was so full of shad and still bit his bait. And I remember it was on the jig. It was on. Okay. Either way, it it was, it was still wanting to eat something. It was like a snake that had just eaten a deer and wanted to eat another deer, you know? And, 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 and I remember that setting this whole scenario up and you didn't really know how it was going to turn out until it turned out. And the, the, the way you caught that last giant fish on a floater spoon makes all the sense in the world. It was kind of like a, duh moment you know yeah there was just so much timber in there like if you would have thrown that spoon right off the bat you got hung up the first cast that it needed you and just, killed it you killed the spot it out or break it off so that's why i never threw it you know i caught some crank in there but i would get hung up every now and then you know so it was just uh one of them had spit up a big shad when i was fighting it and it was just one of those just you know instinct deals like i need to throw a spoon in there before i leave just to see and it worked out you brought up the weigh-in, and and I'll tell you, I mean, I think it was one of the coolest weigh-ins we've ever had, to be honest, and, and there wasn't a fish weighed at all. Right. Um, I mean, how cool would it have been if there, I mean, number one, two things. If we had a frozen bass track, you would have come in and not knowing you won, because Jake wouldn't right. have 
let it out so much in that situation, <laughs> I would imagine. Or and even regardless, he yeah. you still you wouldn't have had the certainty. You would you know what I mean? And you wouldn't have known. I mean, how incredible would that away and have been? Because a, a lot of the you know the guys that got him in the back, you know, in the back of the top ten is what I mean. But the um, I, I love that win because to me that explains what our group is like. We have some of them, and and I get it. It was you and Brandon and Gerald and three guys who who are not ever accused of being quiet or whatever. I mean, maybe you're quiet at times, Lee, but you know what I mean. You guys are all confident and outspoken guys. But that's what our backstage, like when when our guys are allowed to be our guys and just let it out that that's what it is, and it was awesome. But the coolest moment for me was that when you won and. Both of them, the three of you hugging up there. I mean, I just there's some stuff that happens on stage that I love because it you don't need to say anything. Like you literally just step back. I remember stepping back and pointing to it and letting it play out and then being like, that's what makes our sport so special. What what was said in that, you know, when you three were group hugging and and but what did what did that mean to you? Like, I mean, even being Lee Livesey, a guy who joined here four years ago, you're like. You've got Gerald Swindle and Brandon Paulnick hugging you on the stage. Right. Things have happened quick, you know, and, <laughs> and, and I consider both of those two good friends, you know, this addition yeah. fraternity, you know, <clears throat> you grow quick in it. Uh, trust me. And it can go either way. Then, you know, there's guys that don't like guys and guys that like guys. And uh, I consider both of them, you know, they're both hall of famers, obviously. Uh, but, uh, just good friends in general too. So it was fun to, and I, I talked to both of them, you know, weekly and about all kinds of stuff and they are who they are. You know, uh, Swindle is obviously the biggest personality in our, in our field. Uh, I would call it. And Brandon's probably the most popular fisherman in our crowd, I would say. And, and one of the best, obviously best closers. So it, it was cool to, to beat those two. And I was vocal about that. You know, I, Nobody I'd rather beat than Brandon Polinick. And about halfway through the morning, when I didn't have a fish. I was changing my speech to nobody I'd rather be beat by than Brandon Polinick. Just trust me, I was thinking about it. But, uh, <laughs> you know, those, you know, I respect those guys to the fullest uh, for life. They're both great uh, fishermen and businessmen, too, and have become good friends, you know. And, and we actually, all three said we love each other when we did that hug. We did a Polinick sandwich the day before, and I love you the next day. You know, I, this sort of takes me back to a moment on that one spot where Brandon was tied up to a log. Brandon lost his trolling motor power yeah. on day. Was that day two or day three, Lee? That was day one. Was it day it was one? Yeah, day one. Man. Okay. Okay. So Brandon was smart enough or he was tied up to this log. And I asked Lee, I said, why is he tied up to that log? And he goes, cause he's smart. And then when he pulled up, <laughs> when he pulled up, Brandon that's goes, such a Lee Livesey answer right yeah. there. Just so you know, like if you've been hung out with him, that's how he answers things. Right. And so we pull up closer to Brandon because he's going to ask Brandon if he can fish the, the other perimeter, the other side of that spot. And Brandon goes, dude, I lost my trolling motor. I lost my trolling motor. That's why I'm tied up to this log. And he said, do you mind if I fish here to Brandon? And Brandon said, you know, he, he shrugged his shoulders. He goes, go ahead. Lee pulls up to the, the outside edge of where he wanted to fish out of range of any cast pollen it could make from where he was. And he lets his trolling motor down 
and he starts to grab a rod. He reaches back down, grabs a handle, pulls his trolling motor back up, and he says, I can't do this. This is not right. And he saddles up, and we go somewhere else. And he did that because of the respect he had for Brandon Polinick. And I just want to make mention of that because that is the kind of guy that Lee is, and all that played out, and these are the kinds of nuggets that no one ever hears about, but you need to hear about it because – that's what you call professionalism. That's what you call friendship. And that's what you call camaraderie. And that leads to things like hugs and telling each other they love each other on stage. Is that not right? Oh, yeah, for sure. And, and it goes both ways with those other guys, too. You know, there, you know, there was a lot of guys that saw me catch them where I ended up catching those last two days. You know, David Mullins and Gleason and Chris Johnston. And, and everybody respected my water. And, and, and it was pretty cool to, you know, see all that go down the way it should have. That's the way it should be. Does it shock you there wasn't a nine-pounder caught in the whole tournament? Yeah, that, that really did shock me. Yeah. Even we were we were fishing the wrong week. You know, we were in the backside yeah. of the moon phase where the fishing just in general goes down that week. But it's like fork. I mean, you might catch a 10-pounder off the minnow bucket top. You know, you just – I'm sure I'm sure somebody fishing locally, just fun fishing, there was probably – 10 of them caught the, the same week we were there, you know, just different time of day, afternoon or night or something, you know, it's, it's full of them. We just didn't catch one. It, well, what time would you, like, if you could pick the time and I hope we go back to fork every year. I know some people probably don't feel that way, but I, it's an incredible body of water. I mean, it's just to me, and it, the amazing thing is how you, what you've done is so rare because I understand, like you look at Keith Combs, who people used to say owned fork, you know what I mean? It, to he's not come back to back like this and in the way you've done it um but but if you could choose like when when do you think would be the best time to go and i don't mean just for you but for if we want to get as many hundred pound bags as 100 pound limits as possible as many century belts the first weekend in june so when we're going to be at pickwick pretty much we should have flipped those two because I bet you Pickwick would have been better this past week. Yep. Uh, that's what I said from the get-go when the schedule came out. <laughs> well, we'll talk to our scheduling department. The People's <laughs> Champ wants it moved, and the People's Champ will get what he wants. That's right. <laughs> that, is a, that is a really cool lake. I mean, all the different things that you did translate into – really anywhere else in the country for big largemouth and and every time i'm with you on lake fork i learn something new and i learn why you can translate into places like you know chickamauga ross barnett wherever you do well because there's so many opportunities for you to learn so much about big bass and big i mean the stories you've told me even in in conversation while we're running about seeing a spot and then literally saying and i know you're telling the truth because you're telling the i know you 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 know you talk about dude i've seen you know 200 bass feeding on this point between five and ten pounds or whatever it is and you just go god you know how do you wrap your head around that yeah lake fork's just a different beast it's you know it's a legendary lake that's all it is you know it's it it grabs you as a as a young kid especially you hear all these stories about the old days and all these 18s and 17s and 16s and you hear all those stories and then you go out there and you go to the marinas and see all the tackle and all the guides and all the pros and the kelly jordans and the takahiro maris and 
just you hear all this legendary hoopla that's true and there's it is the best lake in the world to catch big ones you know it's look at the top 50 list in texas it doesn't lie you know uh and it just it hooks you it's crazy you know people and not just us professionals or you or people from all over the world come to lake fork and it's because of that legendary lake fork just catching giants and the timber and the grass and the it's just a whole mythological little lake that is really actually pretty small for, for what it produces. And, it, and it's crazy. It's just, uh, it's Lake Fork. It, it's like, it's like the Florida Keys, really. Like, you know what I mean? When you go to the Florida Keys, if you start talking to the locals, you know what I mean? The person in the bar, the waitress, or it doesn't matter what store you go to. Very few people are from the Florida Keys. They're all just people who went to the Florida Keys and and didn't leave. Literally, like you hear story after story about I went on vacation here and I just stayed. I had to find a way to live here. And and that seems to be what Fork is for fishing. I mean, if you spend time with the am I am I right in that assumption? I mean, there's a bunch of a lot of locals that have grown up there, but there's a lot of people who just moved there because of the fishery. Oh yeah, move there, fish there, you know, and it's and it's everything. People make the same trips every year from Italy, from Japan, from Canada. You know, when I was guiding full time, I you'd have these guys come in, you know, for weeks at a time that come from all over the world just to fish Lake Fork, and it's a regular deal. You know, I had some groups that were fishing with guides for twenty years before me that had came for a week or two or three, whatever to since the eighties, you know, with the same group of guys or, or whatever it is. So it's just, uh, it's just one of those deals. Even if the fishing did decline, you're still going to go because of what Lake Fork is, you know, for sure. What was the most memorable moment you had at this last event on Lake Fork? What stands out the most? Hmm. I'm not going to say the last fish catch because that's too easy. You know, obviously that was the pinnacle and the, the dagger, but man, it's gotta be, I'll tell you exactly what it was this time. It was, it was the way in. It was, I was in my boat uh, behind that tundra and I could, the whole crowd could see me at this point in time. And I could see the whole crowd, and but I could see Dave and Gerald and Brandon, and I got to sit there and watch that when I usually can't. I'm usually behind stage. <clears throat> so I got to sit there and watch that, listen to it, and and feel the crowd. You know, they, I'm not funny like Gerald, and I'm not, you know, pretty like Brandon or whatever. You know, I, I just – I got to let the crowd kind of build before me. But at the same time, I was sitting there, and I just signed a 1,000 autographs while my boat's almost running over little kids pulling up, you know, and, and people that I know, and I look out in the crowd and I can see my family. I can see my, some of my sponsors, my friends, my best friends going out, my tournament partners. And then I look out there and like, see the most random people like my beer drinking buddy, KJ, that I, he probably doesn't even know I fish tournaments, honestly. And he was there with his girlfriend and just other friends that don't care about bass fishing you know, in my mind and, and high school coaches and just these most random people that this tournament and what was going down had, had reached that in my mind, 
previously was nothing to them. So I think from that moment when I pulled up until the end of my way in, you know, when I got to actually talk to all those people, you know, like my whole ballistic boats family from Idaho, they were all there, you know, and just everybody, you know, my wife and my baby being out in that crowd and that's that's what stands out to me. I know I could say a million fish catches and losing fish in trees and catching fish in trees, but that was that was it for me getting to sit there and watch the guys in front of me and watch the crowd and then get to interact with them and, and get the trophy was was the deal for me for sure. And you were right there too. I got to sit there and talk to you, Jake. Uh, you were right beside me. So I didn't want to leave. I mean, even when, when we pulled up to the dock and they were going to trailer. He should have carried you up on the stage like a little kid. Like <laughs> Paul Mueller's son. <laughs> Speaking of Paul Mueller, no. Uh, uh, I didn't want to leave. When you pulled up to the dock and you're waiting on your truck and trailer to come down to, to load everything up, I don't know what it was. I didn't want to leave. I felt like. It felt weird. Yeah. It, it really did, man. I mean, your ballistic family came down. Corey Johnson came down. You know, people wanted to come by and just touch you and just be a part of what was going on. And I didn't want to leave. I, I really didn't shoot that much. I just stood on the back of the boat and, you know, Gerald pulled in. He trailered out. He said something. Brandon pulled in. He was a bit down because, you know, it didn't go the way he wanted to. But, you know, all that stuff was uh, stands out in my mind. I remember when we were rolling under the bridge at one point, too, and Corey Johnson drove by. And, you know, they go back and forth. They're really good friends, and, you know, they they're, they're, they go back and forth like brothers. Corey rolls by the bridge when we're about to uh, pull into the no-wake zone, um, and he goes, dang it, I was two seconds short of being able to flip him off. And then <laughs> when we got to the boat, when we got back to the ramp, Corey came down. He goes, did you see me flipping you off when I drove by? <laughs> Which I thought was pretty funny. But, uh, yeah, that was, a, that was a really great experience. And, and uh, man, I've had so many great moments this year as a camera guy, but that was really one of the most emotional that I've had uh, thus far this year. So. Thanks, Lee. <laughs> Thank you for shooting it all. It's pretty crazy. Speaking of Corey, do you realize that like with all the hoopla and hype behind the Johnston brothers, I believe we've been to the St. Lawrence River every of the four years. You guys have been the Elite Series every year. We've been to Fork every year. There's two of them. There is one of you. You're dominating them, dude. So that gives them the double the amount of opportunities to live on the fishery that they own. <laughs> It, that you have and in half of the amount of opportunities i mean they've got one win and now you have two on lake fork um i mean has that been brought up at any point that that i mean <laughs> imagine if there was two livesey brothers out there fishing <laughs> oh i definitely let them, uh, i let them know for sure and it's it's crazy <laughs> watching them to everywhere we go be uh be just as dominant you know chris was in the top and yeah. this one, the Sabine River, Chris is in the top ten at that one. You know, just it's cool watching those guys work and and do good everywhere they go, no matter where, where it is. You know. So what's next? You gonna win Pickwick, like Jake says? I, I'm down for Pickwick. Now, I personally would like to win a smallmouth event. 
Or oh, you imagine if you win on the St. Lawrence River, those brothers would be. <laughs> oh, my goodness. <laughs> I, I know it doesn't seem like it, but last year, you know, I stayed close the first day just to make sure I caught a bass and waited in and did all this stuff. And I was in like, cause I had all these big ones out in the lake found, but I would, it's just like, yeah, you know, let me make sure I'm in the classic and got, we got a $10,000 bonus for being in the top five AOY or top 10 AOY last year guaranteed. So I was like, you know, I better be smart and go ahead and get my extra $10,000 or extra 20,000 with the classic. So I stayed close and was in like, 65th place or something, but that's all I had to do to, to get that. Yeah. So the second and third day I ran down the lake and I caught great big bags and almost got in the top 10 coming from 65th. So I, I'm not saying I'm the king of the St. Lawrence river or nothing, but I figured it out, you know, just give me some time out there. I, I can catch those small mouth too. I, I wish I could have had that, that first day back last year to uh, see if I could have had a shot at it for sure. Too bad we're not going back to Champlain because I know how much you love that place and and how much you've studied it and how much time you spent there, you know, just trying to figure it all out. Yeah, that was the event before the one I was just talking about. You know, I felt obviously I did have I, I led a lot of Champlain last year at some point in time. So, you know, I felt the same thing at the St. Lawrence River. I just made the uh, financial decision to to stay that first day and it was a the right decision, wrong decision, whichever way you want to look at it. So I'm excited to get back up there and, and some new places like Owaki and Mississippi river where I don't have any knowledge and, and, and see what happens. You, uh, you said you'd not rather beat anybody, but um, Brandon Polnick, but what anglers drive you on tour? Is it, is it like a, is there anybody or is it literally yourself that, that drives you? Uh, I mean, that's just a two-way question. There's always the the what this, what that. Uh, I mean, I, I bust my ass. I work hard. Everybody knows that. But I'll sit there and I'll watch Brandon and, yeah, Brandon, Carl too. Uh, but Brandon's definitely the, the hardest working one on the Elite Series, 100% Brandon Polinick is. I, you know, I stay a lot of the same parks as him uh, where he's staying with his RV. And I'll literally be sitting out there drinking a beer and I'll come in at dark. Like, you know, we got to be at a certain time. I don't know if Brian New's up there too. I just don't see when Brian New comes in. He might come in at midnight. But I'll be like, <laughs> I'll be like oh, oh, I'm going to DQ your ass, BP. It's 807. You got to be at the 808. You know, and it's dark. And I'll be like, not really. You know, I'm joking about that. But, and I'll hear a motor and I'll be like, damn, there he is. And he'll off every day. <laughs> It, I think he might just hide around the corner and, and watch YouTube or something. Just so he thinks, <laughs> just so I think he's working that hard, but dude, he'll, he'll practice till the last second, whether it's rain, shine, or if he knows everything on the lake or whatever, he's out there trying to figure something out. And he definitely shows me you got to work hard to be successful because he's successful because of his work ethic. No question about it. He's fun to watch. But so are you. <laughs> Y'all have two completely different styles, you know. He's a he's just a he's a, a, a the professional's professional, and from the way he dresses, all the way down to how he organizes his boat, how he runs, how he presents himself in front of children, all those things. 
And, you know, I've said it a million times, you're the blue collar guy that comes in and everybody's that's clocking out at, at some factory in Texas is, you know, coming in to see you and, and you're their guy. So there's so many different characters on the Bassmaster Elite Series. And it's fun. Dave and I have talked about this before where, you know, it's still people are coming into their own, but identities are, are becoming more solidified um, you know, now in the elite series and we're seeing these characters come out. I mean, Carl's got his position, BP's all, you know, BP's BP, you are who you are. And, and all these people are identifiable by their character and their style. And I, I just think it's, it's a, a ton of fun to watch and watching you win Lee is so much fun. Congratulations on, on, the success you've had this year and thus far in your career. And I can't wait to see where it's going, man. It's, it's yeah. really, it's really cool. Like, I know you probably feel like I'm just me. I'm just Lee Livesey. You, you know, you are who you are, but from the outside looking in, it's really, really cool to watch you grow. Yeah. Thank you, man. You know, I, I say that to you all the time, you know, you don't have to be anything. You got to be yourself. And it takes some guys to to figure that out. You have Happy Gilmore's and Phil Mickelson's and John Daly's and Dale Earnhardt's. There's everything, you know. We have our Matthew Robertsons and our and our Swindles and our Polonics and just the most professional and the most laid back. You know, I'm out there drinking Bush Light at midnight before the final day. Henry tied my knots. You know, eating crawfish and Polonics probably drinking Cambodian goat milk and squirrel nuts or something to be healthy, you know, and everybody makes it work their own way. So that's the biggest thing I see is just being yourself and, and being confident. But I really, I bet, that, Jake, you know that. I bet his live wells cleaner than yours is. <laughs> I guarantee you. Dude, that's some nasty. <laughs> what, what about new? I mean, you brought up new, like, would you saw the way and did you, were you able to see it when new was up there and became the first heel in professional bass fishing? I think <laughs> I, I did not see new. I saw a little bit of it, but I was uh, signing autographs over there and talking, but I heard it obviously. And, and I've seen some, some made my minimal death threats on the internet. from. <laughs> no, he, he did a good rebound. He did a good, uh, a repost after that that he loved texas or something oh did he really oh yeah he only did that because he got threatened by somebody i'm sure <laughs> i wish he had owned it i mean how awesome would that be just yeah. like it, it's you sometimes he just freaks out you know i've never seen anybody fall down in the parking lot running from his truck to his boat as many times as i have him so he just <laughs> he's a spaz he's one of the best fishermen that i've seen he's very instinctive and and bust his ass just like Polonic does. And he can do anything and everything. So all the respect to Brian, he's, he's been a really nice guy to me and he's going to win a lot of tournaments. He's, you know, he's on a different level of competitive is what I'm getting. You know, guys that just go out and do their deal and fish hard. He is a freaking boss. Like I said, I've seen him fall down in the parking lot three times trying to print to his truck just so he can get to the boat faster or truck faster. So He's a, he's a, he's the chicken hawk on Red Bull. <laughs> <laughs> he is, uh, he's something else. That's for sure. I mean, <laughs> Texas, Texas still owes you, Brian. Uh, I don't know. Some of those people in the crowd love it. Yeah. Like the coolest thing, me standing up there, I get to 
see the crowd's reaction and you're like looking at people and they're like, when I gave him a shot, like to go to, to take it back, I'm like, is this your opportunity to concede that Lake Fork is the king or whatever? I mean, and when he said, no, it sucks here. I hate Lake Fork. Like to watch, there was people like that spitting out their chewing tobacco in the crowd. It was awesome. <laughs> it was awesome. Speaking yeah. of bad calls, Ronnie Moore did not pick you in fantasy fishing and you're going to be on his podcast next. Can you just be like super pissed off for the first five minutes, but really <laughs> commit to it? Like, I need you to be like just one word answers for everything and watch Ronnie get increasingly uncomfortable uh, and then and then break it to him. Yeah, I can do that. Kyle Jesse just takes me the same thing. <laughs> <laughs> It'll be the first it's Ronnie Moore podcast I watch. <laughs> <laughs> I don't mean that. Ronnie said Ronnie's a, a, a good seventy uh, percent of the time. 70% of that. Yeah, why why would I worry about saying I watch his podcast if he doesn't even pick you on your home freaking lake? <laughs> Lee Livesey, you are uh, you're a stud, whether you're the marshal, the people's champion. Um, you're just a good dude. You are East Texas to me. And I've said that to you many times before you come from a special part of the world. And I've been lucky to have gotten really tight with several people from that area. And man, that they all just have that same right. stoic John Wayne esque, almost personality and did and a healthy disrespect for giant fish because of where you grew up. And, um, I couldn't be happier to see it uh, happening for anybody else, man. It's, it's, it's amazing. You know, in four years, um, it's been pretty awesome and I can't wait to see what happens next. Yeah. Thank you, you man. Like I said, it's just a big fraternity and that's not just the anglers, the whole bass staff and camera guys and photographers, you know, it's, it's all the same. Everybody supports everybody. And I've, I've enjoyed it. I want to win another one. That's all I can say. You know, I can't thank y'all too enough. Y'all become, really good friends as well as a lot of other people. So I really enjoy y'all's company. You have, you have the coolest and most fitting sponsorship family on tour from six yeah. cents to whiskey Myers to Bush light to ballistic boats. Like they're so fitting for you. I don't know anyone else on tour that has a better group of sponsors that fits its angler as well as you do. There, it's it's badass, dude. Uh, I agree with that. I couldn't be happier with who I've been connected with. It's it's pretty cool. It's very cool. And uh, there he is, ladies and gentlemen, Lee Livesey, four time Bassmaster winner, the People's Champ. One more time, Lee. Yeah. <laughs> Good is, job, dude. That looks like a man that is beat up from doing too many podcasts <laughs> and too many baby feedings, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> Thanks for squeezing us in. No problem, man. That baby's in there crying. <laughs> well, sorry. Go get your baby. Thank you, Lee Livesey. See y'all guys. Thank you. Jake, that was pretty cool. Pretty cool. I mean, we never chased the champ the week of, but um, I feel like we'll talk to Lee Livesey again in the future. He was exhausted. Yeah. We got what we could out of him, right? Yeah. No, I'm, I mean, uh, and, and I'm thankful for his time. Um, but you put I think, pressure on him, dude. Pick quick. Like, really, you're going to you went back to back in your home lake and we're going to go back to back on the elites this year, man. I just I just call it like I feel it. Right. I mean, I don't I have no like I said, I have no rhyme or reason why. I just feel like he's on a roll and the Tennessee River can set up, you know, 
often can set up the way he likes to fish. And I, I just got this feeling it may, may not happen, but we'll see. Right. Yeah. You got a dirty little nugget you can give us to end up and eat something you saw. Nobody saw. Doesn't have to be late. Okay. Happen. Okay. Oh, so one of his favorite spots, one of his favorite spots on the entire lake, literally he got, he barely got to fish it because Paul Mueller was set up there the entire event, literally camped the entire on. event, totally camped. Like, I don't know where Paul Mueller caught all his fish cause he had a pretty good tournament, yeah. um, but it almost had to be there because every time he rolled up there to check that spot, Paul Mueller was sitting there. And again, out of respect to Paul Mueller, cause he actually, when he sees Paul, he respects him because he knows Paul is a guide and he knows what he is a solid stick. And he knows when he's somewhere that something is going down there. And so that was one of the things that really got in his way and kind of got in his head a little bit because every time he rolled up there, there was Paul Mueller. So that's yeah. a nugget that no one really knew about. Well, that's the, there's a nugget. I'm happy to see Paul Mueller do good this this mm-hmm. this tournament. I mean, it's been a while for him too. I mean, mm-hmm. he he's uh, weirdly because I mean, for a long time it just seemed like. It, but that's the weird thing about this sport. I mean, as soon as you think you figured out, ah, I know what I forgot to ask when I've had both of you guys here. I'm such an idiot. What? Well, Mullins brought up the ice ball incident that involved mm-hmm. Patrick Walters <laughs> and uh, one Bill Lowen. Bill Lowen. Mm-hmm. And I wanted to get both of you guys because you were both there during said ice um, situation. But so we'll have to save that for another day when we have lead back, I guess. Unless Patrick, you got- when he threw the ice ball, he was he called it a snowball. And he threw it with the intentions of hitting him in the nuts. And he ended up hitting him in the eye. Which was really weird. Like that was a bad pitch, but uh, yeah. No, I, when that happened, no one really knew what to say because all of a sudden it's like Bill Lowen, like he's like he's like a, a fluffy bunny Easter rabbit. Bunny. He does, yeah, he doesn't hurt any. He's not out to hurt anyone. Yeah. He gets smacked in the eye, and he's lucky he had his sunglasses on because it literally hit him right in the eye. It actually bruised him right there. So yeah, uh, Patrick uh, earned his. Uh, name the ice man <laughs> i think he should be called the ice hole parking <laughs> ice hole <laughs> he and he did he felt horrible he did not mean to do that but it was horse play we had we had been hunting this one location this was all up at prairie rock we were hunting this one location and we had limited out or we shot a bunch of ducks that morning and that other group was struggling so we actually texted them told them to come to where we were. We backed out. We were sitting on the tailgate like 500 yards behind this blind and they were killing the crap out of some ducks. And we're sitting there drinking beer on the tailgate when our morning was over when all this happened. So it was all fun and play. But when it all went down, uh, it got pretty serious there for a few minutes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, if you don't know what we're talking about, go back and watch. The Mullins show where he talks about the ice incident that happened between Patrick Walters and Bill Lowen. And hey, I end every podcast with this, Jake, and telling people to subscribe and all that stuff. They never listen to me, so I'm going to let you do it this time. Subscribe, hit like, all that stuff. It helps the show. It helps everybody involved. Hit like and hit subscribe. How's that? That was was good. That was good. Let's see if they listen better this week. (laughs) 
We thank each and every one of you for listening every single week. It is awesome. The amount of people that come up at events and say, hey, man, uh, we like the show. It is awesome. And uh, I thank you for, once again, the ultimate Jake's take and Lee Livesey. And as always, Uncle Bob, take it away. Thanks for watching. Please like, comment, and subscribe. Because Bob Cobb of the Bassmasters told you to. You hear?